The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brown with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. The following episode was recorded at Pega World Inspire in Las Vegas. And I'm looking forward to this topic as well as sharing the conversation with my guests today. Today, we're going to talk about optimizing the B2B customer experience with AI, automation, cross-channel personalization, all while doing it at scale for the enterprise. To help me discuss this topic, I'm joined by Tommy Marsans, Marketing Technology Strategist at Verizon Business Group. Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. So why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as your role at Verizon Business Group. So I've been in marketing operations since it was called marketing operations. So that's roughly three decades and change. Don't do the math on that. And at Verizon, I do roughly the same thing, marketing operations. We, though, started with Pega, a Pega implementation in 2019. So really started to migrate from true marketing operations to decisioning using Pega. So my role is to lead the Pega implementation, to lead the strategy for Pega for the business side, and to optimize it, to, to take it to scale for the entire business side. Great, great. And so just to, to clarify then, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening are f- familiar with the Verizon brand, but what does your group do within Verizon? So Verizon business is exactly what you think it is. It would be Fios and wireless solutions for business from the small, like single operator businesses all the way up to the uh, global enterprise. So we have solutions that are both network oriented. We have Mech at the Edge. We have 5G type of solutions. And we also have wireless solutions, right? So uh, lots, lots to choose from for the business side. But yeah, um, we, we actually call our system My Solutions because it's not just offers, right? It's not just decisioning. It's about delivering solutions. Great, great. Wonderful. So let's, uh, let's start by talking about, so we're here at Pega World Inspire, uh, Pega's annual conference here at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. 
So there's been a lot of inspiring talks already today. Uh, we're in day, really day one of the, of the conference, one and a half maybe. <laughs> so as part of the conference, your team was awarded the Pega World Inspire Impact Award from, uh, from Pega. Uh, the Impact Award is for industry-leading impact from an artificial intelligence implementation. Can you talk a little bit about what work that your team did uh, that garnered such positive affirmation there? So um, the way that we went about our initial implementation is that we focused on use cases that would have immediate impact. So right out of the gate, instead of just looking at things that were foundational, looking to kind of boil the ocean, how could we build a database, how we could build a whole ecosystem, we started with particular use cases. That led to us having something like a 20x impact on ROI for our investment. We continued that for the next three years. So even as the use cases get more and more complex and more and more challenging, we're still able to deliver 10x on our initial investment. So, I mean, it, that's the impact, right? That as well as lowering our churn rate yeah. um, and increasing our sales. Yeah. And um, can you talk a little bit about, you, you know, you mentioned you come from marketing operations and you, you mentioned how you started. Can you talk a little bit about the mindset of like, what, how, why did you choose what you chose? And, you know, you obviously got great impact from it, but just a little, a little rationale there of, of how do you prioritize? How do you decide what you, what you start with? So really the business cases are very simple. It's P times Q. So how many units are you going to save? How many units are you going to sell times the price? How much are you going to spend to either retain a customer or to acquire a new one? And, that's it. I mean, that it's really that simple. There are other factors that go into price, that go into cost, but essentially that's it. And so we rack and stack those based on the pure benefit back to the business. Great, great. And so, you know, we're here at the Pega World uh, Conference. Um, so I got to ask about, you know, Pega's contribution to, uh, you know, how, how, how did the Pega platform play into this great work that you're doing? So um, the use cases that we came up with are really designed to leverage Pega's technology. Initially, my vice president, Mike Singari, built out solutions for the consumer side. When he moved over to the business side to build a marketing sciences practice, he brought the concept of Pega and Pega decisioning for, in, a, in a reactive mode for the sales teams, whether they were um, at the call center or whether they were face-to-face. And it, or even in the retail stores, it took a long time for our stakeholders um, on the business side to see the value of it. They could see it in the transactional value on the uh, consumer side, but on the business side, problems were way too more complex. You know, businesses, businesses unique in that aspect, right? We're, we're, we're so unique, Pega can't even solve for us, right? But we chose the Pega platform because we really had the, um, the belief that decisioning could improve any process that we had. So we were doing that process anyway. We can just do it better. And so that's that's where we started with Next Best Action. Great, great. And so a great segue to the next topic I wanted to talk about, just a little more broadly, a little more or more generally, is just this idea of CX and be the B2B audience, right? So this, you know, automation personalization, this one-to-one omni-channel kind of being that, that holy grail of uh, the world that we're all striving for. So a lot of the focus on that is really focused on B2C. And, um, you know, you just mentioned there is kind of this, you know, 
this this idea that b2b is just so different that um you know the, that it's it just takes a completely different approach but you know first i guess what what kind of challenges does b2b you know have versus b2c in you know in your experience probably the most challenging thing about b2b and how it really differs for us between the consumer side and the business side is finding the right person finding the right point of contact um, you might be talking to somebody in an organization that doesn't have decision-making capabilities. You might be talking to the person who is in charge of the tech, but not in charge of the contracting. So that's really probably the most challenging thing that we have on the business side. I know that others will say that it's the complexity of the products. But to be honest, when you have Pega, it doesn't matter what the complexity of the product is, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, can you talk a little bit about that, actually? Yeah. So... Um, we we not only provide basically cell phones and cell phone service, right? We provide all kinds of network services, including VAS products or value-added services. We have BlueJeans, for example, which is a conferencing software. Um, we have Connect, which will connect all of your fleet vehicles. We have relationships with other content providers. It, there's a lot that we deliver there, and not to mention Mac at the Edge, right? So that is a high-speed um, network solution within a localized environment. There's all kinds of solutions for all kinds of problems that we deliver, and most of it is around connectivity and networking. So it's not as simple as here's a cell phone and here's the cell phone service, or here's Fios and here's the channels available to you. They do become very complex. The pricing is complex. Sometimes it's very customized pricing. So that's really where the complexity for business product comes from. But again, if if you change your mindset and not think of it as complexity of the product, but complexity of the customer and make sure that you're talking to the right customer at the right time and you're talking to the right person at the customer at the right time, that actually simplifies things a lot more. So that's that sort of leads into that journey marketing and that CX. Yeah, yeah. And so how much has, so you've been using Pega for, for a while now, right? Mm -hmm. So how much has the the way that you approach that the journey and the personalization and everything, how much has that evolved over, you know, over the last few years? I would say that the journey didn't exist before the technology. Okay. So the technology, not just Pega, but all of the MarTech and all of the marketing sciences really led to us being able to manage the journey. The concept of the journey was there, but it was more about when do I send them what in the mail, right? right? <laughs> or when do I send an email? This environment that we're in is so data rich but it's information poor sometimes if you don't have the right technology behind it. So it was really getting the different components to talk to each other and to share the right information at the right time, right? And in real time sometimes to understand what the customer is doing, what their intent is. That really led to the creation of Journey for, for real in the business side. And marketing science now, as of a few months ago, owns that journey. So it no longer rests within the marketing organization purely. It rests within marketing science. So that really led to that. The ability to do that through technology really led to our ability to manage the journey from awareness all the way through to retention with sales right in the middle, yeah. end to end. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. 
So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts, we've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So you mentioned the marketing science team and not every organization has that specific. Can you talk a little bit, what exactly does that mean? So it used to, it used to mean um, to people, marketing sciences was really, uh, you know, the guys in the back room doing the modeling and the regression modeling. And, you know, they would talk about Thompson scores and stuff like that. And you never knew what was going on. But now because of the proliferation of technology in the marketing space, there is a marketing operations component to that that is really sort of the tech stack. But then there's also that true marketing science, which can be data science. It can be modeling. It can be CX work. It can be user experience work. It can be customer journey. All of that, whether it's uh, no matter what channel it is. So from digital to face-to-face in the store, right? All of that ends up being in marketing science because it's driven by data. And that's really where the science part comes from. Well, that's interesting because, yeah, like data science is, you know, sometimes just siloed and, and other right. as well. So that's, that's an interesting take on that. Another thing just, you know, to stay on the B2B topic a little bit longer yeah, I always say B2B customers are B2C customers every other hour of the day that's right. working, right? And so, you know, the the natural thing with that is there are B2C expectations in a B2B world. I mean, it sounds like you've solved for a lot of that and sort of gotten around some of the, what I would say, perceived complexities or perceived sort of things that are different. How do you... Is, is that kind of the way that you, you approach this is, again, all of these people are, they're using all of these amazing apps and, and brands and everything like that in their, in real life versus work life. You know, how, how does that kind of inform the work that you do? What's interesting about that is the, the Verizon brand is so ubiquitous that people know it when you see Verizon, you don't really have to explain what they do, but on the consumer side. So very few people know about Verizon on the business side. So they just assume that you're going to take Fios and that's their internet and you're just going to translate that into business. But there are specific needs within a business um, that are, you know, data load, speed requirements, stuff like that, that really are, are unique to the business side. So I, I think the, the biggest challenge there actually isn't treating them as a customer, whether they're wearing their customer hat or wearing, whether they're wearing their business hat. It's really helping them to understand that the network behind it all is Verizon. And as a consumer in and of themselves or as a business, it's really the network that we're delivering and then services on top of that. And I think there's a kind of an aha moment for some businesses when they say, oh, you can do that. Yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah, nice. So one topic that is certainly on everybody's mind these days is generative AI. Um, you, I don't think you can escape it at this point, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you know, chat GPT and some of those really started it, but you know, plenty of 
plenty of announcements, plenty of companies popping up. Paga made some big announcements at the show this year and, and even a little prior uh, this year. And, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, let's start from from an internal process and, and workflow standpoint. You know, how do you see potential of, of generative AI in, you know, in, the, in the months ahead? So I think the big potential for us and maybe other companies that might have implemented the same way that we did with the use cases, that they can leverage those initial use cases to build upon. And so if you, the way that I got very excited in, in the yeah. keynote <laughs> uh, talks today, as you can tell, if you start with that base case and then use that layer cake idea of, you know, building the code, then building the experience, then building in the language and building, like building all of that with different steps using generative AI, but the base of it is your initial implementation that you can then leverage a good idea over and over and over again. And you don't have to rebuild. And I think I think that's where a lot of people get kind of stuck with uh, generative AI. They don't know where to start. Yeah. Well, you don't have to start anywhere. You've already got it, right? And then you build upon that. You ex- extra- extrapolate on that. I think probably the thing that I was most excited by is that all the visuals in the keynote were generated by AI. And you can sort of see where it's very strong and where you need to be a human intervening in that. Yeah. And so then what about from the customer perspective? Because, you know, they don't, customer doesn't necessarily care that you've generated something mm-hmm. via AI as long as they get what they need. But, you know, how do you see this as making the customer experience better? I actually see it as making the customer experience worse at first and then better. I think we as an industry have to make all the mistakes. We have to make the mistakes of thinking that uh, generative AI can stand in for a human. I think we have to learn where the traps are in that. We were talking about it last night, the loops that happen sometimes when you you don't follow the plan and AI just doesn't really have a plan for that. And so I think we have to make those mistakes first. If we make them quickly, um, and we make them in a limited capacity, then I think it gets much better. There's a much better experience because it is truly personal. If you think about it, we may own the AI platform. We may have built the the levers within the algorithm, but it's personalized to each person. So they essentially own the AI themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting way of talking. So how do you, you know, very very large enterprise you know, a regulated industry, all of that. Like, how do you think about the, like, mitigating risk in, in terms of generative AI? Because there, you know, it's not without, you You mentioned there's room to mess up a little bit and those mess ups could be very small things or whatever. But, you know, there's conceivably bigger implications if, if something goes wrong, you know. So how do you look at mitigating that risk? I think there's two ways that you mitigate it. First, um, you, you if you make mistakes, you make them in a small yeah. controlled environment. So for us, we would do that in a call center where it's assisted with a human, right? So if it does make a mistake, the human can correct it right there on the fly. Um, secondly, the way that the layer cake, the concept of the layer cake by Pega is, is built, there is transparency in that. I think one of the biggest challenges to date with AI is that it isn't transparent. It's this algorithm and you can't really predict necessarily where that algorithm is going to go. And so it will bake in whatever bias you had at the beginning. I think the transparency and the oversight of the layer cake concept um, allows for you to peek into that a little bit. 
And I mean, AI is going to do what you ask it to do. So you have to ask it the right questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that transparency, I think that that alone is just, it's such a, I mean, it's critical and it's, at least in my experience, it's difficult to do when it's not baked in from the beginning to your, mm-hmm. to your point. So, you know, using a platform that has that as part of it, it's not something you, transparency isn't really something you add on later. Right. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so one other, one of the other big topics at the conference this year is, um, what Peg is terming the autonomous enterprise. This is something really interesting, um, to me as well. And it's not, not really new for those that are, that have been using platforms like, like Pega for a while, but how does this concept of the autonomous enterprise kind of come into play as you think about, um, again, the balance between internal needs, there's obviously always going to be efficiency needs and mm-hmm. scalability. And then, you know, balancing that with the end customers that want what they want when they want it and so on and so forth. I think this concept of fabric, which really translates to me as sort of the complex complex journey that customers go on, whether they're business or consumers, that complexity becomes a little more simplified for us as marketers. We don't have to understand every little nuance within that journey to really influence it. I think that's where it has the biggest impact for us as marketers. For the coders themselves, I think it becomes more democratized. So you have this nice platform, this base in which sort of the safety net, and then you can build upon that with uniqueness in any channel or any place that you've got the AI going. So I think, I think that's where the autonomous thing happens. And then the self-regulating part, so you can't go too far astray from the core value. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned, and, and certainly any low-code, low no-code platform is... Again, not a new thing here in the, at this at this conference, but you know, certainly getting talked about a lot more just in general. How does this idea of democratizing, you know, essentially democratizing software engineering, um, you know, for lack of a better term, how does that change kind of the way you think about building a team over time? Like, what are, what are you looking for, maybe today and and tomorrow versus you know five six years ago? I'll say that the people that I look for now, specifically who I would hire, is very different. Five, ten years ago, I would hire somebody with very technical skills, specifically like they had to write HTML, for example, um, to send emails. Now I think strategy is much more important. So you've got to find people who understand the concept of the um, business model, who understand the customer better. And that's why I think having it sit in marketing science is such a great thing, is because we don't have people who build like SaaS models anymore, right? right. We, they don't do regressive modeling. They use AI to do that to better understand the customer. So I think there is a little bit of a fear, I think, for people that they're going to be kind of coded out of uh, a job. I don't believe that that's true. I think that it will enhance their experience. They'll be more strategists, which is what everybody wanted to be to begin with. And they'll have more of an impact. Each individual, I think, will have more of an impact. So when I look for people, I look for people who have that strategy, who are interested in making an impact. And I think that goes really well with like where we're shifting as an industry to begin with. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's humans doing what humans do best and right. machines doing what machines do best. Exactly. I think that's a, I'm an optimist when it comes to, it sounds like, you know, so, similar enough. 
um, yeah, I, I think it's a win-win, right? It's, mm -hmm. um, so, um, first of all, th Tommy, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one last question, uh, before we wrap up here. So, you know, as you think about the months ahead, you know, what are some of the next best actions that, uh, you and your team are going to take to, you know, keep optimizing Pega will do its own next best actions, but you know, what, what are you thinking about in, in the months ahead? I think one of the first things we have to do is start coming up with use cases for generative AI. I think if we don't do that soon, we'll be behind. So we've been leading the pack a little bit. I think if we don't get on that and get use cases in in the hopper that we will um, quickly be left behind. There are a lot of people here who are enthused about using it, who are ready to ready to go. They just, you know, all they want to do is transfer over and their environments and suddenly they've got this layer cake going in the fabric. I think that's what we have to do. I think we have to come up with use cases um, that leverage the best of what Pega can deliver. Great, great. Again, I'd like to thank Tommy Marsans, Marketing Technology Strategist at Verizon Business Group for joining the show. You can learn more about Tommy and Verizon by following the links in the show notes and stay tuned for Pega World Inspire 2024, coming next June at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.